Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, August 13th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Uh-oh. It's Friday the 13th. Are you scared? Well, I say may a black cat cross your path today. You know, obviously, I'm not real big on the uh, Friday the 13th superstition, so... At any rate, it certainly has been an eventful week in the markets. We had the employment report last week that came in better than expected and sparked a selling frenzy in the gold and silver markets. Gold fell about 40 bucks on Friday and then kept selling off on Monday. Uh, we actually dipped close to $1,700 at one point. Uh, and then we had a huge dollar rally. Now this week, the big data point was the July CPI. And that came out pretty much right on expectations, and with that, gold rallied a bit. I'm going to do a quick overview of the data, but honestly, this is the exact same narrative we've seen in the markets pretty much all year. Any data interpreted to mean that the Fed might tighten monetary policy soon sends gold and silver into a spiral. So let's start with the employment report. It was certainly better than expected. I'll link to an article in the show notes page that actually breaks down the numbers. One of the big reasons we finally saw a hiring pickup is some states, mostly red states, started shutting off the enhanced unemployment benefits. Now, some folks in the mainstream have tried to poo-poo this notion, but Wolf Street did a really good analysis that shows that this is absolutely the case. And it you know, makes sense. If you quit paying people not to work, well, they might go back to work. Something else I thought was interesting is that nearly a quarter of the new jobs that were quote-unquote created uh, last month were government jobs. Regardless, the jobs numbers sparked a big sell-off in gold and silver because an improving job market is one of the main data points that the Fed is watching. So, did we just make substantial progress toward the Fed's goals? Well, who knows, because it's a phrase with absolutely no definition. But the market certainly thinks so, and really, at this point, that's all that matters. The question remains, and this is really the one you have to answer, do you think the Fed can tighten monetary policy? Now, as I've been saying for months, I still don't see any reason to think so. And it's important to always remember that the Fed certainly isn't tightening monetary policy right this minute. The monetary stimulus is the only thing propping up this economy. The entire thing is built on easy money and debt. When the Fed takes that punch bowl away, when it pulls out those supports, what exactly holds this economy up? Speaking of debt, after posting a 10.4% increase in May, consumer debt continued to expand, growing by a record rate in June. Revolving credit, primarily made up of credit card debt, rose by $17.9 billion in June. That was a whopping 22% increase. Americans now owe $992.2 billion in revolving credit. Again, that's mostly credit card debt. So as I mentioned last week, over 70% of GDP growth in Q2 came from consumer spending. That's the first time it's ever been over 70%. And the money consumers spent came from stimulus and credit cards. That doesn't really scream great economy to me. 
But the mainstream just looks at these data numbers. They see a good jobs report, and that means the Fed is going to tighten. It's all built on algorithms. But, you know, algorithms are only as good as the assumptions built in. You put garbage in, you get garbage out. So on Wednesday, we got the CPI report for July. For the first time, the numbers were in line with expectations, leading many mainstream pundits to declare that transitory inflation is already starting to cool off. So maybe the Fed won't have to tighten. And that's why we've seen a bit of a rally in the gold and silver market over the last couple of days. In fact, as I was prepping for the show, uh, show gold was back over 1760 an ounce. So anyway, July CPI was up 0.5% month on month. That's a big number, but it was in line with expectations for the first time this year. Every single number we've gotten this year up until July was hotter than expected. Uh, the year-on-year CPI was 5.4%. That's a high number, but in line with expectations. Core CPI that strips out more volatile food and energy charted below estimates at 0.3%. So adding up the monthly CPI increases gives us a 4.1% inflation rate through the first seven months of 2021. Now, you don't have to be a math whiz to realize that that's way over the mythical 2% target. Okay, actually, to be fair, the new Fed language is slightly above 2%, so that the target is slightly above 2%. Now, I don't know what slightly above means, but I do know that 4.1 is more than slightly above 2.0. Keep in mind, this is just through seven months. If you annualize the CPI numbers so far, so you expect that it will continue on the same trajectory. You get 7.2% inflation for 2021. And imagine what that number would look like if we used an honest measure of price increases. So is this CPI report a sign that inflation is cooling off? The honest answer that anybody who's being honest would make, this being an honest answer, is who knows? You can't declare a trend with one data point. It could be, and then again, next month, we could get a hotter-than-expected CPI again. Regardless, prices are still going up. I'll link to another article in the show notes that breaks down the CPI numbers. But just an anecdotal thing, I got Chinese food for my mom and me yesterday. Now, it's been probably a month since I've been to this particular restaurant. We always order the exact same thing, so I know exactly how much it costs. Well, I knew exactly how much it cost. Now it costs $3 more. And heck, I didn't even get any fortune cookies. That's a 17% increase, by the way. So that's the reality of inflation. You know, we talk about data and we talk about these numbers and it's, it's kind of ethereal thing. The reality is prices are going up and it hits us in our pocketbooks. And it's important to remember these price increases are not transitory. They're forever. Even if inflation cools, prices aren't going to suddenly start dropping. And even Jerome Powell has acknowledged this. Here's the reality. The Fed is still doing all of the things that sparked inflation to begin with. Interest rates are still at zero. They're still buying up bonds and pushing the balance sheet bigger and bigger. And the U.S. government is spending more and more money, running up more and more debt that the Fed is going to have to monetize. That's inflationary, too. I don't see how the Fed tapers bond buying when the government is about to spend $1.2 trillion on this infrastructure boondoggle and another $3.5 trillion on just the regular budget. 
And when you break it all down, that's really what you have to decide. You have to decide if you're going to believe the markets. If every time gold drops, you're going to panic because, oh my gosh, you know, the Fed's going to tighten. Or do you believe what the real economic numbers are telling us? Do you really think the Fed is going to taper? Or are the markets trading on a fantasy, as Peter Schiff put it? So really, that's my spiel for today. I'm going to do something a little different. I'm actually going to go off script. Now, it shouldn't surprise you when I say that I script the show uh, pretty closely. It's, um, you know, there's a lot of data It's pretty technical. There's a lot of things I try to pack into a 10 to 15 minute podcast. So there's really no way that I could do it coherently off the top of my head. I can talk off the top of my head. I'm talking off the top of my head right now. But, um, you know, for the purpose of this show, I think it's it's better to script it out. It's definitely much tighter. Um, But I'm not on script now. And I wanted to actually take a little bit of time to address some things that often pop up in comments on YouTube or Facebook or emails that I get. A few issues that I see over and over again that I just want to take a few minutes to address. And the first is, and this always comes up when uh, when there's a jobs report. Uh, why do you do the show early on Friday morning? Why don't you do it on Friday afternoon or Friday evening? And quite honestly, it's really simply a matter of schedule. Um, and no, I don't record on Thursday. One guy actually said that, uh, why do you record this show on Thursday? I don't record it on Thursday. It is I do do it on Friday morning. Uh, I usually start doing show prep around 6 a.m., so going through articles and stories, you know, summarizing the news of the day and then actually scripting. And it takes me about three hours uh, to do the entire show, uh, you know, including prep, production, and then, you know, I have to make the show notes page, do social media, all that stuff. So it's it's not it's not a quick process. And the shift gold isn't my only gig. Um, I also am the communications director for the 10th Amendment Center. I have other clients that I work for. So I have a really busy schedule. Friday morning is really the only time that I know that I can consistently get the show out. And I do consistently get the show out. I don't think I've missed a week uh, in over two years. Now, there have been a couple of times where I have recorded the show early, kind of done some evergreen shows, but uh, I put the show out every week. Friday morning is the time uh, that I can do it. It's, it's like I said, it's just a matter of schedule. Uh, I grant you that it would probably be better on some days to do it later in the day Friday because you miss some of the Friday news, but what can you do, right? So that's why I do the show on Friday morning. Another thing that I want to make perfectly clear, and this should be obviously, uh, obviously, it should be obvious, I'm not Peter Schiff. People want to come at me for things that Peter says. I'm not Peter. Um, Now, I do work for the gold company that his name is on. I don't actually work directly with Peter. Uh, there's there's a management team at Shift Gold, uh, but I do greatly respect Peter. Uh, he is he has taught me a great deal. Uh, we are of very much the same mind in our view of the economy and our our fundamental view of economics. Um, I agree with a great deal of what he says. So obviously, I'm doing a show for Shift Gold, and. I follow Peter Schiff very closely. It makes sense that some a lot of the things that I say will sound a lot like Peter, but 
that doesn't mean that I agree with every single thing that Peter says or that, um, you know, that I think in lockstep with Peter. In fact, I think from a political standpoint, uh, I'm far more of a radical libertarian than Peter is. Um, I, um, the big thing that always comes up is is Bitcoin. People want to, and this comes up almost every single week on the show notes page. People want to, you know, talk about Bitcoin. I very rarely talk about Bitcoin on this show. First off, it's the Friday Gold Wrap. It's not the Friday Bitcoin Wrap. Um, and you know, this show is not about Bitcoin. Now, Peter talks about Bitcoin a lot. That's that's one of his things, and that's fine. Uh, but. His views on Bitcoin don't really necessarily reflect mine. Uh, I am much more positive about cryptocurrencies than Peter is. I own cryptocurrencies. Um, I wouldn't put all of my money in cryptocurrencies any more than I would put all of my money in gold and silver. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I just think people need to understand that because I don't talk about it on the show, so there's really no need for you to come into the comments and and start talking about Bitcoin. <laughs> and and it, quite frankly, it's it's a little bit annoying uh, because there's an underlying assumption there. And, and I get it, I get it. Peter has has definitely made uh, a very strong stand on cryptocurrencies, and and that's fine. And if you want to debate him on that. Go for it. Um, but there's no sense in debating me on it because I don't really hold those same positions. But again, I'm not going to talk about Bitcoin a lot on this show uh, for the same reason I don't talk a lot about stocks. I don't talk a lot about you know energy. I talk about gold and silver and precious metals because that's what the show is about. That's the investment um, that we are focusing on. And I think it's also important to understand and, and really just kind of getting into the third thing that I wanted to address, I'm not looking at things short term. Um, well, I, I kind of just switched paths in the middle of the road. Um, going kind of back to what I said, I, I, I don't think that gold and silver is the only investment out there. I would never tell you to put all of your money in gold and silver. It is part of a broader investment strategy. That's why at the end of the show, I always encourage you, talk to a shift gold precious metal specialist because they will tell you how gold and silver can fit into your portfolio and into your investment strategy. Uh, I'm not giving investment advice here. I'm really looking at things more long term. I'm looking at overall trends. I am not a day trader. I would not be a day trader. Um, you know, that's just not my thing. I am a conservative, low risk kind of person. So when I'm talking about things on the show. I'm generally looking at broader underlying economic trends. Economics is really where my interest lies. The big picture. How does quantitative easing and money printing affect the economy over the long term? And when you look at that, I think it's a different picture than if you just look at what happened over the last six months. Um, I had a guy on uh, the comments, I think it was the, the uh, last episode, that was saying, gold's a horrible investment. You know, Peter's been wrong for 13 years. Gold just keeps going down. Uh, yeah, gold has trended down over the last uh, year or so. So what? I mean, yeah, yeah, if you're looking to buy gold today and sell it in, in three or four weeks, that could be a problem. Uh, I'm not recommending that because... As we have seen, uh, the, every little bit of move uh, news will push the market one way or the other. The things that I'm looking at, again, are more of the fundamentals. And the markets don't really trade on fundamentals. Uh, 
You don't trade on fundamentals, but you do invest on fundamentals. And so I'm looking at it more in those types of, of terms. So I'm not disturbed when you know gold sells off 50 bucks in a day. Uh, and, and I don't necessarily get really, really excited uh, when gold goes up you know, 40 or 50 bucks in a day. Now I do see big drops in the price of gold as buying opportunities. Um, you know, if you're, if you're investing in the long term, when the price drops that that's a, a time to buy. Um, but you know, I'm not convinced the argument, well, gold has gone down the X percent in the last six months is not a compelling argument to me anymore. Um, than telling me that, you know, Bitcoin's done better than gold in the last year. I don't care. You know, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm looking at long-term economic trends. So if you want to debate me, if you want to say that I'm wrong in my point of view, Throwing some stats at me isn't going to be nearly as effective as in showing me where I'm wrong in my economic analysis. If you can show me that quantitative easing is sustainable, that printing money uh, in the long run is not going to devalue the dollar, if you can convince me of those things, I'm more than open to changing my position. Um, But again, I'm talking about economic fundamentals. And I'm coming from a a school of economic thought, Austrian economics. Um, I don't buy into the Keynesian claptrap. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm coming from. So I think that's important to understand. Um, You know, when you're talking about the long-term, long-term kind of things, Monday marks a dark date in history. Uh, It was the date that Richard Nixon closed the gold window. It was August 16th, and it is actually 50 years ago this Monday. So if you go back to 1971, based on the CPI calculator, the dollar has lost more than 85% of its value since uh, what I like to call Nixon's folly. Uh, The purchasing power of a $1971 is equal to about 15 cents today. So, um, you know, if you if you hold, had that dollar in 1971, you put it under your mattress and you pull it out today, you have about 15 cents uh, of equivalent purchasing power. Meanwhile, since that time, the dollar value of gold has gone from $35 an ounce to just over $1,700 an ounce. Like I said, it was at $1,760 when I started the show today. So in percentage terms, since 1971, gold has gone up 4,757%. That is the kind of investing timeline that I'm looking at. So um, that you know, that's the trend. So I don't see any reason to think, unless there's some massive changes in the mentality of monetary policy, I, I don't see any reason to think that this trend isn't going to continue. You know, I, I don't think that uh, if we go, you know, up to 2031, I don't think all of a sudden, you know, the dollar is going to have uh, 30 cents of uh, purchasing power compared to 71. It's not ever going to go up. So, you know, that's where I'm coming from, and I just kind of wanted to address those three little things. I do want to tell you, in uh, in honor, I shouldn't say in honor, because that's not the kind of anniversary that you celebrate, but um, marking the 50th anniversary of the gold window closing, Shift Gold will be running a special next week. Uh, I'm not going to spill the beans yet, but be watching Monday morning, 
Go to shiftgold.com slash news. You'll see an article. Um, Peter Schiff, I think, is going to do a video. And uh, so we are going to be running a special promotion next week uh, for that anniversary. So check that out. Another thing that you can check out is uh, I have relaunched my interview series that we used to call It's Your Dime, which uh, several people told me sounded very boomer. And uh, by the way, I'm not a boomer. I'm an Xer. And um, so I didn't want to sound boomer. So we've changed the name to Metal Exchange. And uh, same format, me interviewing folks. And I just posted one yesterday. If uh, if you're a subscriber on iTunes or Stitcher, you actually have this as a podcast. Uh, but I did an interview with Michael Dorenzo, who is the executive director of the Silver Institute. And we talked about all things silver. So you can check that out. Um, I'll link to it in the show notes page. It's also over at shiftgold.com slash news. And with that, I will go back on script and say that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more. And of course, you can keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com slash news. Um, Everything's over on the show notes page. I hope you enjoyed my little rambling rant off script. Probably won't do that again for a while, but maybe we'll do like a Ask Mike Anything segment at some point. Regardless, I hope you have a fantastic Friday the 13th, and I will talk to you again next week.